Hello, friends, and welcome to Keep Singing. I am your host, Sunny, also known as Dynamic Symmetry on Tumblr and Twitter and many other places. Now, if you're listening to this, you probably know that this is normally a Bethel... Oh, my gosh, a poor man This is normally a Bethel, a.k.a. Beth slash Daryl Dixon podcast, uh, with also just some Beth character stuff and some Daryl character stuff tossed in. And I still want this to be that podcast. I mean, I'm coming back from a fairly long break. Um, I still intend to keep that aspect of it. But also, I kind of want to start just doing general episode recaps, as I also mentioned on Tumblr, and you probably saw it. If you didn't, that's what I'm doing. I, I used to do written episode recaps on Tumblr, and honestly, like, writing those right after the episode is a pain in the ass, and then writing them the day after is kind of a pain in the ass, too. It takes a while. It takes significantly longer than it would take to just fucking sit down and talk about them. So I decided that that's, that's what I just think I'm going to do. I'm just going to get in front of the microphone and ramble. And yeah, so... Welcome to the first one of those. This is going to be minimally edited. I may be barely edited at all. Partly that's because I want to get this up as quick as possible and I got a lot of other shit to do today. And also it's just because, you know what, I, I'm guessing that most of you out there just don't care. So, it's going to be rambly. There's going to be some possibly kind of awkward pauses, although I'll minimize those to the extent that I can. And I have tea and I'm going to be drinking tea on mic and you can just fucking deal with that if you have a problem with it. So let's talk about the mid-season premiere. I, I had, okay, let me just start by saying I really fucking liked this episode. I wasn't sure what to expect going in. Um, as I've been saying on Tumblr, uh, and as I know a lot of you are feeling too, because you've been talking to me about it, and also looking at sites like Spoiling Dead Fans, I've been seeing, and I, this isn't new, it's, it's been going on for fucking, oh, a long time now, but, but I've been seeing a lot of people expressing the sentiment that the show is going downhill, the show is dying, it's all really badly written, and I don't agree with that. I haven't agreed with that for a couple of seasons now. I was I was very dissatisfied with the second half of season five. I thought season six was pretty meh. But then season seven, after the first, you know, after the very, very rocky uh, premiere episode, I thought season seven was fucking great. Like, I thought season seven was an absolute, it was absolutely a return to season four quality. It was just wall to wall great. There, there were some things I didn't like. Yeah, here and there. But I mean, that's going to be true even in a very good season. There was some, I can't think of it right now, but I'm sure there was some stuff in season four that I wasn't completely, out, you know, out of my mind for. And that's, you know, that's that's true with anything. But I thought season seven was very good. A lot of people did not like that season. Um, the critics, especially, a lot of them seemed to pan it. I, I thought it was great. Um, I thought the first half of season eight. Has, I mean, I think it's just been extremely strong. Yes, there have been a lot of things that I, I wouldn't necessarily have done in quite the way that they're doing it. Um, among other things, I would not have had half the season be a basically a 24 or 48 hour period of time. But overall, I, I really like this season. And I liked the mid-season finale. Um, I, I, I know the decision to kill off Carl is a very controversial one. I personally don't know what I think about it. Um, I, I don't, I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like how it went down behind the scenes or how it appears to have gone down behind the scenes. A lot of other actors have gotten a lot of lead time. 
knowing that their characters are going to be killed off. They've had a lot of time to plan and prepare for it, and, and you know, not just not just career-wise, but like mentally and emotionally. And if you've been playing a character for as long as Chandler has been playing Carl, that's that's going to be tough to say goodbye to. That's going to be tough to let go of. Uh, the the actors that you're with are your family. You've grown. You've literally grown up with this character. You've grown up on the show. Uh, it's going to be a huge transition, even if it's a transition that ultimately you're comfortable with. And it does seem like Chandler's. You know, Chandler's going on to to bigger and better things. He feels very confident about his future. He's got absolutely every reason to be confident about it. He's a very good actor. Seems like he's a consummate professional. He's going to be fine. He is absolutely going to be fine. But it's, I can only imagine how painful and, um, yeah, just how painful and unsettling and disturbing in the sense of upheaval this was for him and, and how it was like that for the other actors too. So I, I, given that he found out very, what I would personally consider very last minute and, and given that, um, yeah, it just doesn't sound like he was really consulted at all about this. And yeah, you know, he's an employee. He can be fired at any time. That's the deal that you get into on a show like this. But it's, I mean, I, I know you can't necessarily be fired at any time. I don't know the details of how contracts are, are handled, but yeah, you know, anyway. Um, you know that when you get on a show like The Walking Dead, your character might be killed off. It just might happen. That's how I think we all expected Carl to be here for, you know, forever. I think we all expected Carl to be here till the end of the show. Um, and, and not just, in, you know, because like, there's always a, you know, well, they won't kill off the kid. The kid is safe. Clearly kids are not safe on this show. Kids die all the time. But Carl is Carl. And you, if you know me, you know that I absolutely despise Robert Kirkman. And I think the comics are very bad overall. But one thing that Kirkman has always said about the comics that I think is important, um, I don't think it's necessarily true of the show. But I think that it's, it's you know, it's, it's true of the comics, or at least, you know, what I have read of the comics. Um, and, and I think that it's important to bear in mind when you're considering the relationship between the comics and the show, that the story is really more Carl's story. It's a story about the future in this world and, and what it's going to look like. And Rick is kind of the transition point between the past and the world that was and the world that is to come. And Carl is what is leading into that world. Carl is the future embodied. And I think that that kind of made us all feel like very justifiably Carl was good. Carl was going to be here. And now we're facing a world in which Carl is not there. And that is requiring a lot of us, even people for whom Carl was not their fave, to kind of reconsider sort of how the show is working and what it's doing in the story that it's telling. And I should say up front, Carl was not my fave. Um, it's not that I disliked him. I think he's a I think he's a fine character. Um, I think that he's been, you know, I think that he's been underused at times. I think that, I mean, one of the reasons why he's not, he hasn't really been my fave is that I honestly think that in some ways he hasn't been as interesting as he might've been, but that's just me personally. Um, I, I, I think that there's a lot there to love. I'm very sad that he's gone and I'm especially really, really sad for the people who, who he was their fave. Um, I, I know what it's like. <laughs> I know what it's like to have one of your very favorite characters killed out of fucking nowhere. Believe me, I know exactly what that is like. So, um, yeah, I, I feel for you guys. I'm really sorry. Um, except for those of you who were mean to us when Beth died, in which case, well, now you know what it feels like and fuck you. Yeah. 
so I, I know this was a controversial decision, and I, a lot of, I know a lot of people hated it. And I get it. That said, I was not one of those people in terms of the actual story. Uh, stepping aside from the behind-the-scenes drama and how I really don't like how it looks like that went down, um, I don't know that I would necessarily call the decision to kill Carl off a good decision. I think that it's questionable at best. But I do think that for what it is, it's being really well written. And I'm going to take a sip of tea and I'm going to talk more about that. So yeah, um, this is actually, this is a problem with this show. This is one of the shows, it, it, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's one of the shows, it's, it's part of the show's strength, but it, is, it also is a show, it is, it also, hang on, start again. It also is one of the show's weaknesses. It functions as one of the, one of the show's weaknesses. Um, the show often I don't know if often, but, but not infrequently, it will do something that I don't think is a good move story-wise. That I look at it and I think, that is a shitty thing to do. You should not have, have made that plot move. Um, I think a really classic example of that for me was killing off Denise. I think it was a really bad thing to kill off Denise. I think that it was a bad idea. I think that um, that was a character that the show really needed. Not just in terms of representation, but, you know, in, in terms of just you know, good characters. I think the show was better for her being there, and I think it was weaker after she was gone. But I didn't necessarily hate all of how it was done. Um, I didn't love it. I didn't think it was a good death, but I, I, I wasn't... The writing of it didn't enrage me as much as the fact that it happened, if that makes any sense at all. And Carl is, I think, a really classic example of that, too. I don't think that I would have made the decision to kill Carl. I don't think that's something I would have done, necessarily. The that said, the death itself, I think, was written wonderfully. Sorry, more tea. Um, the, the, here, is, here is something I want to talk about that I'm, I made a note specifically to talk about last night because it hit me pretty hard. So uh, one of the things that people used to justify Beth's death... And again, if any of you out there are listening to this who haven't listened to this podcast before who, or who don't already know me intimately, Beth Green was one of my favorite characters. And I am three years later. Yes, shut up. I know I should let go. I haven't. I am three years later. I am absolutely incensed with how she died. I also don't entirely believe she's dead, but we'll get to that later. I just red yarn all over a wall. Just let's let's not worry about that right now. I so her death is kind of like the ultimate bad death standard by which I measure all other deaths in terms of their relative goodness or badness. Um, one of the things that people use to justify wrong people, people who are objectively wrong, and I can prove with science, one of the things that people use to justify Beth's death is that it was like, okay, well, you know, in this horrible, cruel, hostile world, sometimes people just die senselessly. No. That is not how you write senseless deaths. That is that is a very bad senseless death. Because, hang on, I need to be fueled by more tea. In a story like this, a good senseless death is going to be senseless to the characters. It will not be senseless to the audience. Those are two very different things. Um, one of the things that I, I think a lot of people in this fan base, I think it's something a lot of people kind of get wrong in general, but one of the things I think a lot of people in this fan base get wrong is that they do not understand that there are multiple levels on which a story functions. Um, I, I took some narratology 
I, I did some narratology work in college, so this is something I'm kind of a big fucking nerd about. You know, the, the, a story functions on the level of the characters themselves, the stuff that the characters are aware of. Then the story functions on the level of us and the stuff that we're aware of. And both of those things are very, very different perceptions of reality. We're perceiving the same events, but we're perceiving them on two completely different planes and from two completely different bases of knowledge. So something that looks senseless to the characters will actually make sense to us because we understand where it fits in the overall story itself. We, we see things from kind of a godlike perspective and we can make sense of things that characters can't make sense of. So um, before Carl, kind of the classic example of this for me was Herschel's death. Herschel's death came out of nowhere. Um, it, was, it was horrible, it was cruel. Um, he didn't die like nobly saving anybody. It wasn't like a, you know, one of those deaths that you in your life can look back on, you know, if you were one of the characters, you could look back on it and go, well, you know, he died for something and it was noble and it was purposeful and it was his choice and it made sense in the time. No, Her Herschel, Herschel did not die like that. Herschel was just cruelly beheaded by the governor and then everything went to shit. But of Herschel's death, at least for me, and I think this was... This was true, I think, for a lot of us because that episode, Too Far Gone, is so fucking important for everything that has come after it. Herschel's death was kind of the linchpin. It was kind of, or not necessarily the linchpin, but it was the apex where you rose to a certain point and that was the before and you hit that peak. And then after you tipped over it and went down, everything that came after it was defined by that peak. It was defined by that singular point. So Herschel's death didn't appear to make sense to the characters, but in terms of how he died, in terms of the acceptance that he felt at the moment that he died, in terms of, you know, where he was in his character, you could really see. Uh, you could see that, you know, he, he didn't want to die, but he was at peace with it. And, you know, he knew that his family loved him, and he knew that his family knew that he loved them, and he was content in the life that he had had. And it wasn't, it wasn't his choice, and he wasn't dying saving anybody, but he was, at least I really feel personally, he was okay with dying at that moment. And he was, he was held up as the standard of how to die on this show, because one of the questions that this show really asks is not just how you live, but how you die. What does it mean when you die? What do you die for? How do you face death? What is your attitude toward death? Are you afraid of it? Do you welcome it? Do you accept it? What are you willing to die for? What are you willing to try to save yourself over? It's, these are really big questions. They're not necessarily original questions, but we've been asking these questions in stories forever because they're big questions. And Herschel was one of the really big answers to those questions. You know, facing death with love and acceptance, even if it's terrible and you know that it's gonna cause people you love tremendous pain. More tea, sorry. And, and Herschel, I think there is a direct line between Herschel and Carl. I think they happened in very similar ways and for very, very similar reasons. And I'll tell you why. And I'm moving in my chair. Told you, this is going to be completely unprofessional and there's not going to be any editing, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> so, this kind of the whole center of, of Herschel's death was actually Rick. It was Rick, it was how Rick saw it, it was how Rick reacted to it, and it was what Herschel's death meant for Rick's understanding of himself in the world. 
And that is really kind of true of Carl too, because Carl's death, and especially in terms of how Carl framed his death to his father, is what is going to determine how Rick handles the war going forward, and, and even more importantly, how Rick handles the aftermath of the war, because that really is the big question, and it's the question that Carl is demanding that he answer. And it's the question that Carl is demanding that he answer in a specific way. Now, Carl's death itself, and, and in terms of how and why it happened, I mean, you, you can argue that Carl did die saving somebody. Carl, Carl was bitten saving Sadiq. And I think that Sadiq, first of all, I love Sadiq. He's, he's pretty and sweet and great, and he's also a doctor, which they need. And I just love him to death, and I hope he sticks around, and I hope he actually ends up being important. If he just dies like Noah after not really doing much, I'm going to be super mad. Also, this show needs a Muslim character so much. Like it's, I think, I think it already has one at the kingdom, but it really needs, it needs an important central or at least, you know, important secondary Muslim character. And I'm very happy that there is one, or at least for now. So you can argue that he died saving Sadiq, but I think one of the things that he, Carl said that was so important in terms of understanding the senselessness of this death is he said that it just happened. You know, he, he wasn't necessarily saying that it, it was for, wasn't for anything, but he said it just happened. And that is, that is what people were trying to say that Beth's death was about. But that's really not true. I mean, Beth's death just happened. That's, that's true. But Beth's death just happened in a way that did not fit into the story. It really had no purpose in the story. It didn't do anything in the story other than to make everything worse. And if you wanted to make everything worse, you didn't really need to have her die to do that. Or at least you didn't have to have her be really dead. She just dies and then there's really no meaning around it. Um, Pretty much the only lasting damage it's actually done has been to Daryl. And, and Daryl's damaged for so many other reasons right now. So Beth's death was senseless to the characters. And I think it, for the most part, looking at the critical reaction and the reaction of the general audience, it was also completely senseless to the audience. Um, it kind of, the, the, the general reaction, even for, from people who didn't love Beth afterward, as far as I saw, was just a giant what the fuck. Where did that come from and why did it happen and what was the point of it? Whereas, you know, you look at a death like Herschel and you look at a death like Carl's and you might not agree with the choice to do it and you might not think that the choice to do it was a good one, but I don't think that you can disagree that the death was meaningful. Um, and, and especially because, I mean, last night's episode was basically the show hammering you over the head in a very unsubtle way. The point that this death is meaningful. This death means everything. This death is the center of what the show is trying to tell and to be right now. This, sh this, this death is the center of the story. Um, it, is, it is defining, much like Herschel's death, it is defining everything that led up to it, and it's defining everything that is going to come after it. It's so important. In that respect, I think it was a death very fitting of Carl. How it happened, you might think, is shitty, and I think that there's a lot to be said for that argument. But Carl had so much agency in terms of determining how he went out and what he told his father and his adopted mother and his best friend. And fucking God, that just broke my heart. Oh my God, Michonne was just so wrecking. Um, what he told his family, he wanted them to take from his death, which, which is that what is happening right now, this war, this is not all we are. This is not all we can be. This is not all we should be. 
which is a very aspirational message. It's it's a very it's a very it's a defining message regarding what you understand the meaning of life to be and what you understand humanity to consist of. But it's also a very practical message. Um, the the season premiere, Mercy. Um, I I really really narrowed in on that episode. I. I I loved that episode, and I also felt very strongly that what we were getting at was a look at everything that was going to follow. It was the foundational episode of the whole season, and in many ways, it was one of those pinnacle episodes in the show, in terms of the writers saying, this is the kind of story we're telling. This is what we want you guys to be taking away from this story. It wasn't even very subtle. When the show does things like that, when the show telegraphs stuff like that, it's often not very subtle, and, and it's a little surprising to me how many people seem to miss the point when it does that. But the the question that was being posed in the season premiere really was an important question to ask in any war, which is not just what are we fighting for and what are we willing to give up as we're fighting and what are we willing to become in order to win, but what is the world after going to look like? Because there's going to be an after. If we win, us winning is is the ideal, clearly, but what is that victory going to consist of? We, If we win the war, what does it look like to win the peace? Um, that that at, After World War I and World War II, that was the central question facing the winning powers, was what is winning the peace going to look like? Because among other things, how you win the peace determines whether or not there is going to be another war. And if you don't win the peace, there will be more war. So what the, the question that the show was asking in the first, in, in the season premiere, and the question that it was really asking last night, and the point that Carl was making is, when this is over, you are going to have to determine what that world is going to look like. And if you win, and Carl clearly believes that his father will win, you have a responsibility to determine what that world looks like. And because I will not be in that world, you have a responsibility to me to make that world what I would have wanted it to be. The world that you, 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 this is the world you would have made for your child. You have to make it that world, even if your child is not there. And, and, and Judith is still there. So there still will be one of Rick's children to inhabit that world. But Carl was acting as his conscience and saying, this is the world you need to make because this is the only world that's going to allow us to move forward. And when Carl mentioned Woodbury, you know, I think that was a pretty unsubtle message saying, you know, you're going to have to figure out how to live with the surviving saviors. Not all of them are going to die. And, you know, yeah, we're considering them enemies, but a lot of them aren't necessarily intrinsically enemies. They're enemies by circumstance. But these are human beings with, you know, families and kids and, and people they love and care about. And they're actually not all that different from us. And you're going to have to figure out how to live with them. And if you destroy their home, you're going to have to figure out how to bring them into yours. And that's going to be very challenging and it's going to be very hard. But if we're going to move forward, that's something you're going to have to learn how to do. So that that was, I love that that message was there. I love that that is a message that the show is, is exploring. I love that it's something the show is asking and really forcing the audience to kind of confront too. Um, again, it's, it's not necessarily the most original question. Uh, it's, it's something that, you know, a lot of shows that deal with warfare deal with in one way or another because we always do. Whenever we fight a war, we have to figure out what it's going to look like after the war is over. But it's, 
I think it's really important for Rick especially because Rick is, I mean, my, you can, Rick is complicated and you can argue a lot about who really, who Rick really is at heart. But my position is that Rick is fundamentally a really bad person. <laughs> uh, Rick is, Rick is kind of the villain in some ways. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but Rick really does kind of ruin everything he walks into. Um, this is true of team family in general. Like any, any community that they try to start or try to become part of ends up being burned down, blown up, uh, overrun, or some combination of all of those. And everything they touch ends up being destroyed sooner or later. And how many times has Alexandria, how many times has the, has, has the safe zone been destroyed at this point? We got to be up to like three or four, right? How many times has it burned down? <laughs> it's just funny at this point. Um, the hilltop has currently been spared, but Christ knows how long that's going to be the case. And I think we're all pretty sure what's going to happen to the sanctuary. Um, and God knows about the kingdom. I'm not reading the comics anymore, so I don't really know what happens there. But Rick is kind of not a good person in some really significant ways. Um, another, another one of the things that the show has, has made one of its central tensions is, you know, how, how Rick could very easily go in one direction or the other. Rick could be a good leader. Rick could be, you know, a good person. Rick could really kind of be a, a patriarch in a good way. You know, he can take care of his people, but Rick could also very easily become someone like the governor. Um, not someone like Negan, because I think that Negan is, Negan, I don't really like Negan very much. I think he's kind of boring and one and kind of two-dimensional, but that's what that ends up meaning is that Negan is not a character so much as a plot device. Negan is not a character so much as a force of nature. He's, he is a thing that is making everything else happen, but he's not really a person in and of himself. At least that's not how he has been so far. But the governor was really complicated and interesting. The governor is actually one of my favorite villains on any TV show ever. I love him to death. And one of the reasons why he's so great is that he's very sympathetic. And he's not so much sympathetic, sympathetic in season three, but you really get a sense of who he is in, in his episodes in season four, which are some of my favorite episodes on the show. And one of the things that you see him doing is really wrestling with his own nature. He wants to be a good man. He wants to be what Rick wants to be. He wants to be a man who, who takes care of his family, who takes care of his people, who makes a home for people where they can live and, and certain, do more than survive, where they can really you know, live and recover their humanity. He wants to make a Woodbury. Part of him really wants that because he wants to be a good man, but part of him wants to do that because he's just, he's, he's desperate for power and he's desperate for control. And that ends up making him a very bad man. And you, I think that the governor is Rick a few years down the road in the wrong direction. I, I really think that you see that, especially given that, you know, again, Rick still has Judith, but at this point now, Rick and the governor, what they have in common is that they both lost a child. And that is, that is life-defining. You know, there, that, is, that is, again, one of those points where there is a before and there is an after. And what lies in between is what decides what that after is going to look like. So the, the question of who is Rick going to be, uh, what version of himself is Rick going to give into, is, has been an ongoing question. It, it's been an ongoing question more since season four. 
Because in season four, Gimple kind of rebooted the show in some ways. Uh, when he took over, he kind of had a very specific vision for it. And he established that vision in season four. And one of the things I said in my live blog last night is that the, 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 the episode that is sort of the Rosetta Stone to everything that's come after it, the episode that you need to look back to if you want to understand what this story is and what it's doing, is too far gone. It's the mid-season finale of season four. Because that is where the central question is explicitly asked. You know, can we change? Are we, are we too far gone? Is there a point at which we can't come back anymore? That was also kind of true in the season premiere of four, but I think it was really made explicit in the showdown between the governor and Rick in, the, in Too Far Gone. And that question is not answered. It seems like it might be answered because the governor succeeds in destroying the prison and, and you know, scattering everybody um, and killing a lot of people. But Rick makes it out and, and his family makes it out alive for the most part. So he is left to try to answer that question for himself. And he, in many ways, kind of becomes a bad man for a while. You know, with the, the red machete is kind of, is kind of the physical, it is, it, it's, it's the object that signifies the man that Rick could become. And then in, in Alexandria, he kind, of, he kind of swings back into the more of the kind of the good person direction of himself. But now that he's in a war, he could very easily go in the other direction. He could, he could become more of the governor. And he could especially become the governor if he won. And Carl is, Carl's death is going to do a lot to determine what direction he goes in. Carl, the, his reaction to Carl's death is going to determine who he ends up becoming. And that's not going to be the end of the story because we're constantly changing. And, and every day we get up and we make choices about who we're going to be. And we get up the next day and we make those choices all over again. That's just what life is. But this is going to be one of those moments that really ends up defining that in one direction. I'm saying that word a lot, defining, but, um, you know, I think that's the word that I want to be using. I think that's the word. So I, I, coming back to this again, swinging back to what I was talking about a hundred million years ago, uh, in, in the sense of it just happened, this was a senseless death. Rick feels like this was a senseless death. Rick feels like this was a death for nothing. Um, I'm sure he feels like that now. But the show and Carl himself were making very, 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 very excruciatingly beating you over the head, unsubtle way. They were making it very, very clear that this death is for something. This death is for everything. And in, in that sense, I think it was a great death. Um, I, I've really loved it. I don't necessarily love that it happened. I want to be very clear about that. But given that it happened and I can't change that, I really loved how it happened. I really loved the way it was written. I love the way it looks like it's going to push things going forward. I don't know. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. But yeah, I, I really, really liked it. And oh God, I'm sorry, guys. I have so many thoughts about this. This is one of the things that I, this is one of the things that is a, a weakness of doing it like this, is that when I write things down, it's very orderly. Even though it's very stream of consciousness, it does come out in a much more orderly way. When I'm talking about something, it's just a giant ramble and, you know, a, a lot of it comes out really fast and I'm, I'm so sorry if this is hard to follow. But like I said, I just have so many thoughts about this episode. Yeah, it's, we're just going to have to see what happens going forward. Um, there, 
the writers have entered a, a tricky place and the writers have been in a tricky place for a long time. That's just kind of the nature of writing for a show like this. But the writers could, very much like Rick, could completely fuck it up from this point or they could make it really good. Um, and, and I, I'm very intrigued by the final scene with Rick sitting against the tree. I thought, or I, w I was, I was pretty sure that what we were going to discover was that where, where Rick was, you know, saying the, the line from the Hadith, um, that that was going to end up being right after they buried Carl or something, you know? Especially given that, you know, you see, you see the colors moving against his face and then there was the stained glass window in the uh, building that they, was that the church? I think there was, was that, probably was the church. I didn't really get a good look at it, but the building that they took Carl into. If it was the church, that was super uh, appropriate. Um, but, but, but yeah, like, I thought that that was, I thought those were going to be the, the same scene because the mid-season premiere did seem to be tying the flashback to what, you know, what ended up happening with Carl to kind of the question of what the future is going to look like, uh, or the flash forward, I mean, sorry. Um, and, and then I thought that, you know, given how the scene with Rick and the Hadith was kind of interwoven from the very beginning, I thought that that was just going to end up being, it was all going to be tied up into a neat knot, and that was going to end up being what it was all about. That's not what happened. Uh, if anything, now we have more, more questions than we had answers. We know what's up with the flash forward, but we have two flash forwards here. We know what one of them is about, you know, the kind of the vision. Um, although there are a lot of things in that vision that aren't explained. Um, what's the deal with the owl? Like, we have no idea what the deal with the owl is, as far as I'm aware, unless I missed something. But we we don't know what's up with, with Rick and sitting against the tree with the bloody hand. Um, by the way, somebody said, like, was his hand injured? No, I don't think his hand was injured. I think something else was going on. I don't know where the blood was coming from or if it was even his blood. But, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it was his hand that was injured. But that, that was strange. We don't know how he got there. We don't know how he got hurt. We don't know how he found out what the line from the Hadith is. I'm assuming that he wouldn't have known that on his own. I'm assuming that Sadiq gave him that line. I'm sure we'll find out before the end of the season. But the thing that really grabbed me that I'm really wondering about are is the stained glass hanging in the tree itself. Because that's weird. And when the show throws in something weird in uh, a set like that, it's, some, it's there for a very specific purpose. Uh, and they really wanted us to notice it. They wanted us to notice the color on Rick's face. And they really wanted us to notice that these things were in the trees to begin with. So... I'm really looking forward to what that is going to end up meaning. Um, it's super interesting. I know that there's probably a lot of people who get very frustrated by how Gimple plays fancy with time. I love it, personally. Uh, it's something that I actually do in my own writing. If you if you read my writing, you know that. Um, and I also just kind of love when, when writers get stylistically fancy. It can be shitty, and it can also be really good, depending on how they do it. But I'm excited to see what that is, that's going to end up being about. Um, it's I kind of I love having more questions. It's it's something that I in, enjoy because why else would I be watching if I don't have some questions about how it's going to go? But yeah, that was that was cool. I, I I think I think that having Carl shoot himself was an interesting choice, and it wasn't a new choice. 
uh, actually, you know, now that I'm sitting here talking about it, it really reminds me of Andrea's death. You know, Andrea wasn't alone when she shot herself. I mean, we, we don't know that she shot herself, but I assume that she did it. But doing that was is, is such a, a moment of agency in the face of a complete lack of agency. Like Carl has Carl has no choice in whether or not he dies at that moment. And Andrea has no choice in whether or not they die at that moment. But they both can decide how they go out. And that's that is such an important choice. And the fact that Carl was alone in that moment. Um, God, that fucking breaks my heart. I'm, I'm actually kind of tearing up thinking about it. I mean, he's, he's with people up until his death. And a good death on this show, because people just don't die of old age on this show. Uh, a good death on this show is a death that, you know, takes a while. Where people have a chance to say goodbye to people they care for. Um, in, in reality or in their minds. Because, you know, there's Tyrese's death episode. Which I think is... I hate that Tyrese died. I hate that they killed another black man, for fuck's sake. But I thought it was a beautifully written episode. I thought it was another one of those episodes where the big questions get asked. You know, what's good? What's bad? What's strength? What's weakness? How do we live? How do we die? But the, the a good death on the show is is where people have some agency in terms of the moment up to their death. And Tyrese had that. To, to an extent. Bob really had that. Um, up until last night, Bob's death was like the best death on the whole show, I thought. It, it, was, it was a death where there was closure, everyone got to say goodbye, it was terribly sad, but you saw that Bob himself was at peace with the fact that it was happening, and he, and he was just enjoying the time that he had left with the people he cared about. And Carl didn't get to say goodbye to everybody, and I hate that. You know, he never got to see Enid again, and he never got to see Maggie again, and, and he never got to see all these other people who were his family. But he did get to say goodbye to a lot of them. And he got to say goodbye to, to, his, to his best friend and to his dad. And that was beautiful and wonderful. And then he was alone at the very end. And yeah, like, you hear him tearing up. God, I didn't cry last night, but oh, I'm kind of really choked up now um that was so sad and it was so important and i don't actually know what i think about it right now other than that it is terribly sad but it, it's I, I feel like it's important and uh i think i'm just gonna have to think about it a lot more in order to know how i feel about it but yeah okay that was a thing oh i think i've covered most of the stuff i wanted to talk about with carl uh i at least I can't really think of anything else right now that's really big and important that I, that I wanted to hit. Uh, so a couple of the other things about the episode that, that stood out to me is, is super cool or super important. Um, okay, so first of all, like tiny, tiny, tiny note. Uh, like I screamed about on Tumblr, I've been waiting for like four fucking seasons to see Daryl holding Judith again. Like, you don't know how much I've needed that in my soul. And I finally got it last night. And it sucked, and the setting was shitty, and it was just awful all around. But, you know, I'm just glad that I got to see it, I guess. And I'm just glad that he's going to take care of her. And, oh, that's another thing where it's like I'm so ambivalent about it. I feel so strongly in two directions. But I guess I'm glad we got to see it. D Daryl is... Um, Quick other aside, I really want to talk about Carol and Morgan and Ezekiel, but um, Daryl is, Daryl has been my fave. Um, 
right now Ezekiel actually has got that spot. Ezekiel is my fave in the whole show and I love him so much. And if they kill him off, I'd be so fucking pissed. But Daryl has historically been my fave. Um, my, my fan fiction, I write Beth a lot. I love writing Beth a lot. I write her more than I used to. But Daryl is who I started writing and Daryl is still kind of the, the center of my imagination in this show. You know, Al Beager's first song is entirely a Daryl story and that's, that is the story of my heart. I think it's the best thing I've ever written of any kind. And Daryl is a problem on this show right now. Um, I know uh, Daryl is one of the things that a lot of people are most dissatisfied with because Daryl's Daryl's arc has kind of been flat. It's not really an arc anymore. It's just kind of a flat line, um, or it's it's you know it's going downward. Uh, he's I still think he's interesting, but the show isn't doing very much with him at this point other than just have him be awful. <laughs> it's, um, the one of the things I have liked about him. In, in this season is how it's been showing very clearly that he's just become entirely cold. Um, and he's actually horrifying Rick with how cold he is, with just, just how much he's, he's completely happy to, to murder people, to just completely straight up murder unarmed people. And he wasn't necessarily happy to kill civilians at, sanctu- at the sanctuary, but it was pretty clear that he was content to let it happen. Like he wasn't really worrying about it too much he he kind of was like well they'll get out anyway they'll be fine but you could tell that he didn't really care he was he was fine with letting women and children die and contrast that with daryl up until uh, up until the middle of, of season five and even daryl afterward because aaron kind of picks him up out of his funk for a bit and gives him something to live for and he's still you know trying to tell rick that there are good people that you need to save Really, the end of it is actually when he meets Dwight. That's kind of it. That's where he just doesn't give a fuck anymore and he kind of gives up. And there's like, there's no good people anymore. There's just the people on our side and there's the people on the other side and the people on the other side I don't give a shit about. The people on our side aren't even necessarily good, but they're the people I, they're the people I care about because it's us and them. Um, and and Daryl has just been getting worse and worse and worse um, as a human being. <laughs> and he blames himself completely for Glenn's death and he blames himself for everything because everything is his fault because he's an abuse survivor and he's got so many problems and I, I love the guy but I'm waiting for something to happen with him and I think that something will I have faith that something will but I don't really know what that is and I don't know what it's coming and it is starting to frustrate me a little bit but last night was interesting because we did get to see a glimpse of him as what he was before his character just went to hell, which is somebody who is willing to kill, who is willing to commit violence against other human beings, but really only doesn't really like it and will do it in order to protect his family. But first and foremost, he's a provider and a nurturer. Um, First and foremost, he believes that, or believed that and I think still does, that the most important thing is to care for the weak and the vulnerable. And he hasn't really been caring for the weak and the vulnerable. He's been protecting them. He's been fighting for them. He's been murdering for them. But he hasn't been caring for them. And last night you got to see a little bit of a glimpse of that. And the thing about that that's so important, I think, is that it emphasizes that part of him isn't completely gone. Um, it's it's still there somewhere. It's It's been beaten down almost to nothing and it hasn't had a chance to come out and do anything but it still exists 
And I really want to see something more happen with that. And I kind of feel like it's probably not gonna. I was just so frustrated. Why are you doing my fave so bad show? Ugh, kind of making it hard for him to be my fave. Anyway, yeah, I like that part. That part was good. Excuse me, tea break. So that was great. Um, it wasn't great. It was good. I'm satisfied with it, I guess, for now. Uh, um, Carol and Morgan and Ezekiel. Oh my God. The, that, it, we didn't get a whole lot of it, but those scenes were so important and they were so great and they were done so well. And oh my God, the actors are just so fucking amazing. Morgan's, Morgan's arc is another arc that I've loved. It's been just fascinating to watch and it has not gone the way I thought it was going to. I, I kind of expected Morgan to continue to kind of be who he was when he first showed up um, after, you know, after traveling north and kind of becoming, becoming Rick's, not only becoming Rick's conscience, uh, he, he kind of moved out of that role and really hardly anybody slid in to fit it, actually. Um, Daryl sure as hell hasn't and Glenn is gone, but he, he really, he, you know, he became Carol's conscience in a way until Ezekiel kind of popped in and, and started taking that over and how his relationship with Carol has developed and changed. Um, I love so much. I, I kind of shipped it for a while and now, you know, I, I, I want her with Ezekiel. I think that would be great. And, and, and I really just care about them as uneasy friends and definitely kind of fellow travelers in terms of emotions and, and psyche. But, you know, Carol, Carol kind of was at where he, where Morgan is now. You know, she was just despairing of her own violence and she felt like she couldn't do anything except kind of do what Daryl's doing right now. She couldn't do anything except kill for the people she cared for, that, that she was destroying her own spirit in order to, in order to take care of people, that, that all she could do now, that, that she couldn't take care of kids. She could sort of, you know, pretend to, but that that really wasn't her anymore. And all she could do was, you know, just, just kill, just kill and kill and kill. And she hated that about herself. Um, and then she, you know, fell into Ezekiel's care and Ezekiel, Ezekiel brought her back and kind of showed her that she, you know, yes, she was going to have to kill. She was going to have to fight and kill, but that they didn't have to define her, that she was more than that. And she's since come out of it. And she's really, I think she's grown into a full version of herself in a lot of ways. And I've loved seeing that. And that's the, that's the person that Morgan was trying to recover. That's the person that Morgan was trying to make, uh, or, or at least to bring out of her because it was already there. But as she's risen and as she's come back into herself, Morgan has fallen. And I never expected that. And I, it, it distresses me because I love Morgan and I want him to be happy and okay. And he deserves it because he's been through so much awful shit. And I think they're probably going to kill him. And I'm really not happy about that. But uh, not to mention, like, please don't kill another black man show. Could you please stop killing the black man? Uh, black people in general, but especially black men. Uh, it's, I still, I find it so interesting what's happened with him. And what you know, the, from, from the point where he got his pointy stick uh, to last night where he really had to choose what he was going to do with said pointy stick. Um, yeah, that was just fascinating. Uh, it's the, kind of this circle of different personalities between Carol and Ezekiel 
who again I just love beyond all expression and Morgan and how you behave toward an enemy uh, is is so central and, and so important and so great um if if Rick and Michonne are are facing the question of and 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 really Maggie too are facing the question of what is the world after the war going to look like uh Carol and Morgan and Ezekiel are facing the question of what is the war looking like how are we going to behave as we fight? How are we going to treat our enemies? Uh, actually, yeah, Maggie is very important to this question. Uh, this is a question Maggie is asking, asking of herself and that Maggie is asking of the audience. How do we behave toward our enemies? Do we, do we keep prisoners of war? Do we, you know, and, and if we keep prisoners of war, how do we treat them? And uh, it's last night, you know, Carol was willing to kill, but she didn't want to. Morgan wanted to, um, or, or not wanted to in the sense that he was taking pleasure in it, but Morgan wanted to in the sense that he felt compelled. Morgan felt like he had to kill all of these people, that none of them got to live. Um, actually, wasn't that, isn't that Rick's line uh, at Terminus? Didn't he say that? Like, they don't get to live? Uh, I think, I think he said that. Yeah, that was a great line. And, and that's kind of how Morgan is right now. You know, they don't get to live. Regardless of who they are or might be, they don't get to live. And I cannot remember names because I'm shit at remembering names, but what's his face? Uh, the, the guy who was keeping Ezekiel prisoner, um, who I really like. And I'm not, I'm not upset that he's dead because I think that he died at the right place and for the right reason. But I loved his scenes. I loved his scenes since he appeared on the show and, and I really loved his scenes last night because he's a kind of a character that it's very easy not to see in a plot like this and he's a kind of a character that you really have to see because he's so real. One of the, one of the things that's really hit me hard as I've been doing my dissertation work, uh, my dissertation is on Nazi extermination camps. It's a fun time. Uh, and, and my primary work has been on the process of extermination and how people were killed and what happened to them as they were killed. It has not been focusing on the psychology of the people who did the killing. Um, I haven't been looking at, you know, the SS or the police forces who actually committed the mass shootings, um, you know, in Poland. This is not Christopher Browning's ordinary men, but at the same time, you kind of can't help but look at the people who you can't you can't kind of can't help but look at the actual killers and you find a very different group of people i mean they're all doing the same thing and i'm not arguing that any of them are redeemable they made their choice for who they were going to be and you know yeah uh but you do find an interesting group of different people you know you find the people who are happy to do this who are sadists who have been waiting for something like this all their lives and are taking full advantage of it and you find the people who just kind of don't care you know they're just whatever they're just carrying out their jobs and then you find the people who are actually distressed by it who who don't really want to be doing this um who are upset when it becomes harder who are upset when they're forced to be more violent they just want people to behave while you're killing them. Just why can't you guys just make this easier on all of us? And that was, what's his face? I'm just going to call what's his face because, again, I can't remember his fucking name. Um, he's really distressed by this. You know, he liked it when it worked. He liked it when everybody knew their place in the system and everybody just did their part and nobody had any conflict over it. And nobody tried to upset anything. 
And he is distressed now by the fact that he has to commit violence in order to bring things back into what they are, or into what they were, to bring things back into a state of equilibrium. He clearly does not like working for Negan. He does because he feels like it's necessary, but he doesn't take any, any enjoyment in any of it. And I really believe he was genuinely distressed by the idea of having to kill Ezekiel. When he said, I liked you, I think he meant it. You know, I think he, you know, not liked in the sense of, I want to be buddies with you, but in the sense of, you know, you get it. He said that, you get it. You got how it had to be. You didn't try and get, you didn't try and get, a, you know, above yourself. You didn't try and reach for more than you could have. You just, you did what you were supposed to do and you kept everything the way it should have been and nobody had to fight and nobody had to die and everything was okay. And he was really upset with the fact that everything was now becoming violent. That's not what he wanted. And Ezekiel's attempts to, to reach him and to be like, you know, Ezekiel wasn't trying to save his soul necessarily, but Ezekiel just being like, you know, this doesn't have to be as bad as it's going to get. You know, not all of these people have to die. You can walk this back if you want to. You think you've made this choice, but you can unmake it if you want to. And I don't necessarily know that that's true. Again, that's, that's, that's one of the things that is so central in Too Far Gone is once you've decided that this is how you're going to be, can you, can you come back from that? Can you not be that person anymore? And that's a question the show hasn't answered. I, I think that it may be, the answer may be just that it's different for everybody. But the answer last night was no, I guess. You know, and we'll never know if maybe the, what's his face could have walked it back. But the fact remains he didn't. Ah, sorry guys, I, I'm sorry, I know I'm rambling, but like I said, I just have so many feelings about this. Um, in some ways, I really like these these parts of the episode more than I like the Carl parts, although the Carl parts were just absolutely pitch perfect. More tea, sorry. So yeah, um, and Morgan's Morgan's wrestling with himself regarding, you know, how violent he's going to be and feeling compelled to be violent and feeling compelled not only to kill people, but to just absolutely slaughter them. And Carol's... Carol interestingly isn't really trying to stop him like she's giving him an out she's she's allowing him space to choose something different if he wants to but i mean note last night that she she really made no attempts to stop him until at the very end when she was saying like you know we don't we don't have to do this you don't have to kill this guy like this but she still wasn't trying to physically stop him she was just trying to convince him and she could have run in there and grabbed him by the shoulders and, you know, pulled him back, but she didn't do that. And I think that that's really important that she didn't do that. And then the choice Morgan made to maybe not do it, I, I, it wasn't clear to me if he had decided whether or not to execute what's-his-face. I think that he was, if he hadn't decided one way or the other, he was still trying to decide. And I think that he could have gone in either direction. Unless he had actually already decided not to. And again, it wasn't clear to me. But it's... Yeah, it's... The the question of who are we going to be? Uh, what are we going to be? What is that going to mean for the war? What is that going to mean for us going forward? What is that going to mean for what the world after the war is going to look like? What does peace look like? Because, you know, peace for the saviors looks one way. And, and peace for Rick is probably going to... Hopefully going to look a very different kind of way. But... The, the fact that at the end it was a kid that did it 
I, I think that, uh, I don't remember the kid's name either, because again, I fucking suck at names. Um, I, you know, I can watch a show for, for so many episodes. I watch a show for seasons and not really internalize names. Um, the, the fact that it was a child that ended up doing it and, and ended up doing it really ruthlessly. I mean, I didn't get the sense that he was, he was sad about it after. I didn't get the sense that he was too disturbed by what he had done, or at least, you know, not in the sense of, oh God, I wish I hadn't done that. I think that he was fine with having done it. Um, I think that that was meant to stand as a direct counterpoint to Carl in some ways. In fact, you, you know, I know it was because Carl relays that story of the prison where he, you know, says, I, I killed this kid and I didn't have to. I just did. And it was so easy. And I've seen how easy it can be for us to be that. I've seen how easy it can be for us to just become murderers um, when we don't have to be. And that and, and what's his face was unarmed. He was no threat. They could have kept him alive. There really wasn't any practical reason to kill him. And my cat is fucking bothering me. Go away. Feed you later. Um, it it was it was a moment where the kid made the choice to be what Carl was back then. And Carl chose to go another way. And the point there was, I think, for Carl, you know, even after making that, after making a choice to completely murder in cold blood, Carl wasn't too far gone. Carl was able to choose to become something different. And we don't know what this kid is going to choose. I, I think the implication is that he could go either way. He could become like Carl, but he also could go in a very different direction. And having made this choice to kill somebody, having made this choice to take a life, he is at one of those points where, where things diverge and he could choose one way or the other. And which way he chooses is going to determine everything that comes afterward. And yeah, the, the, the fact that it wasn't Morgan, but it was a kid. I, I would love to know what was going through Morgan's head at that point, because we know how Morgan feels about himself in terms of um, the necessity of violence, um, the necessity of extreme violence, where, where he ripped out the guy's guts. I mean, I know that was sort of a, you know, that was a just classic Walking Dead gross out moment. But I also thought that it was really important because of just how brutal it was and just of how utterly bestial it was. I mean, it was completely animalistic. Um, it was gross, but I, I think that it also was there for a really good reason. Um, but we, we know how Morgan feels about himself, but we don't really know, I think, how Morgan feels about other people. I think, I think you could go back to Clear, which is, um, you know, that's a, that's a Gimple episode. So that's another, Too Far Gone is a Gimple episode, if I recall correctly. And Clear is also a Gimple episode. And it's an episode where, you know, Scott Gimple is really asking the big questions with which he's concerned. Um, there he's asking what strength and weakness and goodness and badness is. Not necessarily, you know, can we come back from certain things? But, you know, where Morgan says that, you know, good people die and bad people die, but it's the weak people who live. And, you know, that Morgan, Morgan is saying something about who people are. Not just who he is, but who people are in that moment. And I would love to know what Morgan thinks about who people are right now. Uh, I would love to know what he thinks about the fact that a child made that decision for him. I... Yeah. God, it's just so interesting. I loved those scenes so much. See, it, it, fuck, guys, this is a really good show. 
like there's there's stuff that I don't like that it's doing. There's there's mistakes that I think it's making. Um, there are moves that it's it's making that I really don't agree with. Uh, I actually think a lot of that might be more the network than the writers. I think the network is fucking awful. But yeah, it's such a good show. I don't know why people don't get that. I think people are really determined not to get that. I think people are really, they've just decided that they're going to be displeased. So nothing can please them. But this is a really good fucking show. I don't know what's going to happen with Maggie slash Lauren Cohen. I'm worried about that. But right now, like if the rest of the season looks like last night, I'm going to be, I'm going to be really happy coming out of it because I'm just going to be, it's, it's great writing. Like, like, no offense, but it really is great writing. Yeah. Oh, God. And I, I, I hope they don't, oh, they're probably going to kill Morgan. I just hope they don't kill Ezekiel. Because I think Ezekiel is, it's not just that I want to see Ezekiel and, and Carol get together and be king and queen and have babies. Or, yeah, I'm pretty sure Carol is, Carol, I don't know if Carol's hit menopause or not, but she probably can't have babies right now. It's not the best time for having babies. But, you know, I, yeah, I just want to see them together. I think it would be so great. Yeah. All right, one more thing, one more thing I want to mention, and then I'll say, stop rambling and say goodbye. Um, one of the things I saw people upset about uh, at this mid-season finale where we found out that Carl was going to die, they went back to uh, what Lori said to Carl, um, you know, when she was dying, which is, you know, you're going to beat this world. And people were saying, like, well, so much for that. And I was thinking about it, you know, last night again, like, you know, you're going to beat this world. What does that actually mean? And then he said it. Like, he said it explicitly. And I was like, fuck, man. Like, the show knows what it's doing. It's not just throwing shit against the wall. Like, you might not agree with what it's doing, but it is doing a thing. And it's doing it very consciously. It's one of the things that makes me not understand what happened with Beth. Unless she's not really dead. But, yeah, he said, you know, I didn't. Mom said I was going to beat this world and I didn't, but you might, talking to Judith. But he did is the thing, because again, one of the questions that this show is asking so centrally is not just how do we live, but how do we die? And what does death mean? And is death losing? Is death failure? And I think that the show is saying over and over again that no, it's not. The failure is in how we die or don't die. The, the failure is in the choices we make about what we do with the time that we have and how we take our leave of that time. And I think that by the show standards, Carl absolutely beat the world because he didn't necessarily survive that long. No, but look at what he did with the time that he had. Like he, he died a full human being. He kept his humanity. He held on to it. He, he passed it along to people who were, to the people who came after him. His, his, the inheritance that he gave his father was his humanity. And in that sense, he absolutely beat the world. He died a human being. That, that, is, that is the ultimate victory on this show. You're gonna die. Like I said, nobody dies of old age anymore. So the question is, how are you dying? Who are you as you die? And if you can be a full human to the end, if you, can, if you have a chance to say goodbye to people and pass what you know along to them and give them something to carry with them after you're gone, you've beaten the world. Like you absolutely have. And 
that is so important and so great. And again, like I don't necessarily agree with the decision to kill him, but given that they did it, how they did it was fucking amazing. He did beat the world. You know, death is not, death is not losing. Death is not a failure in this story. He, he won. He really did win. And I'm not necessarily saying that to like tell Carl fans to shut up and stop crying. I like, I was just almost crying. Like it's awful. It sucks. Nobody likes saying goodbye to their faves. And I'm so sorry that you guys are having to do that. It's awful. I know how it feels. I know exactly how it feels. And like, okay, like, though, I'll, I'll say for like one second again, like, if you're a Carl fan, you fucking lucked out. Like, you really did. Because you got a good end. Um, Beth fans, not so much. Really not so much with the winning. That's, that's something. Okay. Quick, quick TD corner. Again, if you're, if you're new to this, if you, if you're coming to this podcast for the first time, and if you're coming to kind of this little weird corner of the fandom, which I don't even know why we're still around three years later, um, you, you should know, I don't believe that Beth is dead. Uh, I don't, or, or at least I think that there is a distinct possibility that she's not. Um, if you want to understand why I think that way, uh, go to my blog on Tumblr and look through the Team Defiance tag, and you'll see some of my arguments for why I don't think that she's dead. Um, or, or, you know, just look around on Tumblr for that tag, and, and you'll see. Uh, think about death on this show, and think about how main character death works. Not, not, not across the board. There are little exceptions. You can make some arguments about how, you know, this doesn't hold true in every case, but for the most part, and especially in the Gimple era, main character deaths are meaningful. Main character deaths are well-written. They happen in a good way for a good reason. You know, you, you, again, you still might not agree with the fact that they happened. There are problems with when and how they happen, but the, the deaths themselves, there's, there is purpose to them. They are meaningful in terms of how they affect what comes after it. Characters don't forget them. Uh, you get some kind of closure. You get a funeral, among other things. And yeah, and they're, they're, they're good. And last night was such a great example of how deaths on this show work. And Beth's death did not work that way. Like again, like this last night is one of the is one of the things that just makes it, it just brings all of my frustration bubbling back to the surface. Not not with like how could you do Beth like that? If she's really dead, then yeah, like how could you fucking do Beth like that? But mostly it just brings my frustration back to the surface regarding this doesn't none of this makes any sense because she died in such a shitty way. And for no reason on any level of the writing, it did nothing. The only thing that you can argue that it did is that it made everybody really sad. And Christ knows there are other ways you could have done that. And, and it's just, ah, oh, it's just so frustrating. She died in such a shitty way. She didn't really pass on anything for anybody to take afterward because ultimately, you know, really the only person she would have been able to do that for is Daryl. And Daryl has just gone nothing but downhill since then. And... It, and and we never got a funeral. We never got any closure. And everybody on this show gets a fucking funeral. And we don't know what happened to her. We have no idea what happened to her. 
if, if there there are two polar opposites of how death is done on this show and one of them is Carl and the other one is Beth and the fact that Beth deviates so much is is just it is it is inexplicable to me unless she's alive that's really the only thing that makes any sense of it to me these writers write death so well they write death so fucking well and they do closure so well. Uh, again, like, the decision to kill... I hate that they killed Glenn. I fucking hate it. And the death itself was just inexcusably terrible. But but everything that came after, you know, the closure and and Maggie's, Maggie's relationship with that event and the fact that she and Daryl do have this wonderful moment of connection and, you know, some kind of forgiveness regarding... Even though Daryl didn't fucking need it. I mean, he felt like he did, but he, it wasn't his fault. And all the people who said it was were terrible human beings. It it was like, it was beautiful. And then and then her Maggie's little monologue at the very at the at the end of season seven is is just so beautiful. So even even Glenn's death, for all of its flaws, was really well done in some ways. And we got funeral, or at least we got to see his grave. So there was that closure too. The audience was able to figuratively kind of mourn at his grave. We never got that for Beth. Never. It's three years later, and we've gotten nothing. And I don't know why. And if she's really dead, um, I don't know. I don't know. I will never be able to make sense of it. And last night, you know, deaths like that just kind of, you know, they just, they just, you know, drill the fist into my gut just a little bit more. And it's just endlessly frustrating. Yeah. So. That's how I feel about last night. Uh, hang on just one second. Let me see how long I've been recording for. Oh, come back on screen. Come on. Oh my God, I've been talking for more than an hour. Okay, I need to shut up and go work on my dissertation. Um, I've, I've been a really bad person today. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been fun. Um, it's been... I know it's just been a giant ramble and it's probably been semi-coherent and I know that probably, like... I. I is anybody listening to these? Some people said they were gonna. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'll keep I'll keep doing these. I think this is this was fun to do. Um, it was definitely easier in a lot of respects than trying to write out all my thoughts. Just just spilling them out, kind of stream of consciousness was was cool, at least from my end. All right, yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, quick plug: uh, if you want to help support this podcast if you wanted me to help make keep making it if you want to just kind of support me as a human being uh, and you have a dollar or two to throw at me go to patreon.com slash dynamic symmetry there is my patreon you can look at the rewards i have to offer i'm offering things like free fiction i'm offering things like audio versions of fiction uh, other kinds of little tidbits uh, i mean to blog some about writing now and then hopefully i can get my shit together enough to do that uh, i make jewelry sometimes so so there's all kinds of stuff that you can get from me if you toss me a dollar or two a month and that's absolutely great because i'm a starving college student starving grad student fuck i'm a starving grad student working on my dissertation and trying desperately to finish so yeah yeah i and and, and those of you who have been supporting me i appreciate you so much okay i'm gonna feed this fucking cat so i'm gonna go thanks again for listening and uh talk to you next week bye